When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Scholarly Communication, the podcast about how knowledge gets known. I'm Avi Stamen, co-host of the Scholarly Communication podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I dedicate my time to my family, mountain biking, and running my company, Academic Language Experts. Academic Language Experts, or ALE for short, is an author services company dedicated to helping scholars to elevate their manuscripts prior to publication, as well as grant proposals to receive competitive research funding. Today, I'm overjoyed to be joined by Kim Walker, trade publisher, and Chris Hart, director of sales and marketing from Manchester University Press. Chris and Kim, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. It's good to be here. Indeed. Um, Chris is the sales and marketing director. He held positions as a senior commissioning editor for a large academic publisher, an assistant editor in trade publishing, and a bookseller and buyer for Waterstones. Kim Walker is the trade publisher at Manchester University Press. Previously, Kim was editorial director and owner of Zed Books, an academic and trade publisher. Prior to that, she was an academic commissioning editor at Manchester University Press and editor at international B2B publishing houses. So to get us started off today, um, I was hoping that both of you could kind of share either a moment in time or a period in your life where you realized, you know what, this, um, this, this industry known as book publishing or academic publishing um, this is something that I could see myself doing uh, as a career. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind starting. Oh, go on. You go, Kim. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. There were a number of moments. Um, a couple in particular stood out when I realized that academic literature can really have a social, wider social impact and reach kind of much you know, broader audiences than kind of core, core library market. So one moment in particular was at a conference um, listening to Angela Davis speak Um with the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, you know, really what they were talking about was the kind of books that they were publishing. And it was an academic conference. Um, at the end of their their kind of session, about 3,000 academics in the room were kind of standing up and kind of cheering somewhat on their chairs. And it just really struck me as a moment that, you know, academic literature can really cross over with activist spaces, um, 
kind of really engage with kind of critical social discussions um, and just have a an impact um, that resonates throughout society. Yeah. Okay. So my, I mean, when you ask that question, Avi, uh, my mind immediately goes back to being in the back of a, a hot, sticky taxi in uh, Delhi, in New Delhi. And it was, we were, I was on, I was sent by the publisher I was working with on a field trip uh, to India to uh, visit uh, a lot of the uh, universities in Delhi and Bangalore and Ahmedabad uh, to meet with professors to talk about um, textbooks, textbook, textbook publishing, you know, uh, the various different textbooks they read and what they were um, providing their students. And uh, I got an amazing opportunity uh, to, to, to go to Delhi, to spend uh, weeks in Delhi, uh, weeks in Delhi and Bangalore and, and travel around India uh, and meeting these people. And I think uh, that experience was just uh, so sort of mind blown and so different to what I thought academic publishing would be. It was exciting. It was uh, innovative. It was informative. Uh, and uh, I, you get to meet some uh, some incredibly interesting uh, interesting people and taken to some uh, 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 great locations as well. So that that's definitely my highlight, and that's the thing I think about when I when I think about academic publishing because it's it's sort of different than the common perceptions of it. That's amazing. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for sharing. Um, I I imagine that many much of our audience here um, are either you know in scholarly communication, scholarly communication professionals, or they're academics themselves. They may be a little bit less familiar with your two particular roles, um, Chris in you know wearing the hat of, of sales and marketing, um, and uh, Kim uh, trade publishing. So maybe we could just start off giving laying the groundwork, and um, if both of you could give us a little bit of background about kind of what your jobs entail and what they look like, um, that would really yeah, sure, be helpful in, in terms of uh, so better understanding I'm responsible kind of for your sales role and the greater of, because of Chris want to start us off. Um, with the, the commercial arm, but I think uh, what would surprise people about the role in particular is just how integrated it is uh, into all aspects of the publishing process. It's normally seen as the, the thing that happens towards the end of the, the publishing process. So obviously after the book's been commissioned, it's gone through the editorial checks production, and then it sales and marketing takeover to push that book out into the market and into the reader's hands. Uh, but really, uh, my role is doing that end process and getting looking at the reception of a book, but also very much um, hardwired into the start. So sales and marketing are involved from literally the beginning, you know, when a book comes to proposal, but they're obviously speaking to um, the editors about uh, whether this book's going to fit, how it's going to work. So helping editors hone proposals. Uh, they're there talking to production and distribution with regards to um, how many copies they should print, how the book should be distributed, ideal formats. Uh, whether an audio book, for instance, and obviously that's becoming more and more of a, a talking point, the audio book side of it. And looking, obviously, to, um, to to develop that field of reception, but also um, the formats and the range of formats that a publisher can offer. Uh, uh, but also, you know, we're, we're there to um, help drive revenue, help drive growth for the business, and, and hopefully that being reinvested back into a, an organisation like Manchester University Press and so it can develop further. Thanks, Chris. That's really helpful in, in understanding. Um, Kim, I'm particularly interested about, you know, your title as trade publisher, especially since, you know, from my experiences, maybe the big university presses may have a trade person or someone who splits their time between trade and other books. So it was interesting to me to see that, um, you know, MUP has dedicated an entire role to that. So tell us a little bit more about what that means. 
Yeah, so trade publisher um, at MUP, um, it's really kind of, on one hand, there's it kind of drives acquisitions and there's list development, uh, but it's also working really closely with sales and marketing to ensure that our products are produced from a production cover, um, you know, all the considerations of, of the production process is really geared to driving sales as much as possible. So in some ways, it's it's very much at the start of the process, but it's in constant dialogue with our sales and marketing function, how we drive publicity, how we speak to particular customers, um, whether that's physical or online retail, um, and really just thinking about, you know, producing high quality content, but for kind of very specific customers. Um, I think trades within an academic or trade publishing within an academic context um, can be a real vehicle for driving and curating the content um, and driving the brand um, of a, of a university press into new areas. Um, I think trade publishing really allows university presses to contribute to public debate, um, but while also staying kind of committed to really high quality content um, that's kind of committed to, to truth and excellence because of embedded peer review processes, you know, advisory boards. Um, so, yeah, I think sort of specifically at, at Manchester, it's how we're really you know, my role in particular is how we take our kind of academic excellence that we've been publishing for 120 years um, and really bring that to wider audiences. Yeah. Uh, so that's the, that's that's helpful. I think that maybe helpful even just to define for everyone kind of how you see trade books as different um, than, uh, you know, than, than traditional monographs. Um, I think, you know, kind of the, 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 optimistic way of looking at it is saying, well, there's great research being done and a lot of it has very practical ramifications in the real world and let's make that accessible. And then maybe on the other side, there might be some naysayers who say, well, it's watering down kind of the, you know, the the, the real robust, rigorous um, academic process. So how would you go about defining what is a trade book within the context of an academic publisher? Yeah, I think there's two ways of looking at it. I think one is so you would have a trade publisher that's continuously assessing the market, seeing gaps in the market where um, high quality content um, either isn't being covered or there's more of a demand. And then a directly approaching academics who you get a sense might be already writing for a wider readership. So that could be articles. Um, there could be kind of contributing to podcasts, for example, and then there's a directly approaching them to write for a wider audience. Um, in terms of actually sort of whether it dilutes um, a sort of intellectual debate, I think it's about it's about finding and really working with an author to develop their arguments so that they can distill high quality content so that it is more accessible. So that's not about um, oversimplifying anything. It's about finding new ways to that they can communicate and, and distill high quality content. So for example, that might be um, that might be through kind of really detailed development editing, um, finding using kind of creative writing tropes to free up kind of academic um, literature or ways of ways of writing. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's there's you we can Sorry, listening to some background noise there. Um, we can find yeah, ways to <laughs> we can find ways yeah, to distill. I think there are two different approaches for trade publishing for university press. On one hand, uh, we have 
an existing body of academic literature um, and you know academics we're constantly working with. So it's about finding opportunities in our existing lists to work with existing authors or new new academic authors to free up their writing to distill um, quite you know sort of I suppose quite intense academic literature and how we can free that up for a wider audience but then on the other side it's about continuously assessing the market with trade publishers our competing university presses and really seeing how we can on one hand contribute to um hang on i'm sorry i'm pausing there how we can fill gaps in the market how we're contributing to uh political debate um gaps in the history market or literary criticism. So on one hand, it's taking existing academic work um, and freeing that up, work, you know, develop, developing the manuscripts so that the actual material is accessible. But then on the other hand, it's around kind of creating the ideas ourselves, approaching people and finding those gaps in the market. I think there are, some, I mean, I just jotted down some differences. I think there's obviously a style difference and there's obviously identifying authors who can who want to write in a style for a general audience. You know, things like voice are very different in a trade book than they are in an academic book. I think from a, from a marketing and sales, there's there's the auditing of the audience size for that book and whether we can reach that book, whether we think there's potential to reach that audience through public through publicity, and then there's whether we can reach how we sell that book. So can we get that into bookshops? Uh, can we get that into uh, our, um, channels in which we can reach that wider audience as well? So there's a few there, which we do. So I was hoping that, Chris, you could just give us a little bit of historical background about why it is that trade publishing, it's not just MUP, right? It's across different university publishers, why that's become so prominent and such a big part of um, the work you know, flow and workspace. Because... You know, I think that there are many academics who have said, well, traditionally, we always kind of, you know, would write our books and sell them to the libraries and uh, the libraries, you know, would kind of support those books and the students would get access through the libraries. Um, so why all of a sudden do we need to be, uh, you know, kind of broadening that tent, widening that tent um, so far? Is it, you know, sort of a, is it an idealistic, um, you know, kind of a, a decision or, uh, does it come from, or, or is there? Does it actually jive with some of the market conditions as well? Yeah, I can answer that. Uh, so a few of them are um, authors. So uh, there are authors, academics out there who want to um, who want their profile outside of the university to develop, and how and they can do that. They can reach a wider audience through uh, a trade book. Um, there's also the the university itself. So the university, particularly the University of Manchester is very uh, interested in how it can reach outside of the university's walls, the, the lecture room to, to engage with um, the general public. Public engagement is a big thing for the University of Manchester. So having a, a university press that's got uh, the ability to engage with the wider public is, is, is um, important. And we see that Trade Books has been um, able to fulfil that. Uh, and then there's um, revenue as well. So obviously uh, how we sustain ourselves as a... As, um, a university press, how we continue to um, fund ourselves. Uh, trade is becoming increasingly important because there are um, exponential gains that can be made through good trade publishing. So uh, I think those three things are why university presses are now looking more seriously at trade publishing. I think there's the, the, the desire, there's a growing desire amongst authors. The universities are very keen on, again, public engagement. 
and also looking at how we sustain ourselves as university presses. Um, Kim and Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure having you. I know that, you know, I learned a lot and just hearing from you about your vision and drive for making uh, MUP as successful as possible. Um, and uh, I look forward to continued conversations in the future.